one of the things coming out of COVID is that we all understand our mental health is an integral part of us. That's been a really positive step in destigmatizing what was previously there as being, I can't talk about my mental health because that's a sign of weakness. As employers, as work colleagues, we can actually turn that on its head. That's one of the best things we can possibly do. Hi, I'm Christine Morgan, CEO of the National Mental Health Commission, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. Community pharmacies are the most accessible health destination in Australia and therefore are often the first place that patients go when they need help to maintain their health, mental health and well-being. The COVID-19 pandemic has highlighted just how important community pharmacies are in providing care, advice and health services. However, frontline health provision can bring heightened levels of pressure for pharmacy staff. Today, we speak with Christine Morgan, CEO of the National Mental Health Commission and National Suicide Prevention Advisor to Prime Minister Scott Morrison. We discuss why it is vitally important that community pharmacies establish and sustain a mentally healthy workplace and ways in which pharmacists can manage their own mental health and support the mental health and well-being of colleagues. Here's Christine. Christine, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. Now, pharmacies are heavily relied upon to help maintain the health and mental health and well-being of our communities. And it can be a responsibility that brings about heightened levels of pressure. How important is it for community pharmacies to establish and sustain a mentally healthy workplace? And how can people achieve that? That is such a good question because uh, one of the learnings we have had as we've looked at all things mental health through the lens of COVID-19 is realising actually mental health services, mental health issues need to be addressed where we live, where we learn, and most importantly, where we work. So the concept of mentally healthy workplaces is an incredibly important one, and it's important because where we work, where we spend so much time in um, in our day, and for most people, particularly community pharmacies, that's in a physical location as well. Um, that's a big part of the day, and we know that our mental health is an integral part of us, so it can and does get affected by all number of things, including our workplaces. So incredibly important to actually understand the relevance of a mentally healthy workplace. Secondly, is what then is a mentally healthy workplace? And we have got the privilege at the Commission of working with um, a wonderful group called the Mentally Healthy Workplace Alliance. And it's an alliance that represents a broad range of different work spaces, workplaces, ranging from big business down to sole traders, small businesses. And we've been tasked by the government to actually develop what we're calling the National Workplace Initiative, which is really uh, what are the resources, the tools that we need if we are interested in creating a mentally healthy workplace. And that's given us the opportunity to do a deep dive. And it's probably three key things that we are learning as we develop these resources and the portal that will go with it. Firstly, and this is a bit of a legislative one. So even for our community pharmacies, this is now reality 2021. We have an obligation in our workplaces to look at what are the quote unquote avoidable psychological harms that can happen at work. 
We do this across the board for physical health and safety. We know we can't have those trip wires and all the rest of it around. What we now need to do as employers is say, what are some of the psychological risks and potential psychological harms that could happen in my workplace and what am I going to do about it? Secondly, how do I build the capacity of myself and our team to actually understand when somebody has mental ill health and mental health challenges and what are the appropriate ways to respond to that? And that can include, most importantly, when somebody may have been off work because they have been unwell and then need to be rehabilitated back into the workforce. And then thirdly, what are the things I can do that actually harness good work and the impact, the positive impact that can have on my mental health? Because we know that a big part of good mental health is a sense of I am contributing something. So work is fantastic for that. So how can we actually leverage that as well? So all of that wraps up in saying 2021, we have realised it is really important to look at mental health as it applies in our workplaces. And that would include, of course, community pharmacists. The workplace and the individual can be a little bit hard to separate. So we spoke there about the workplace level, though. Let's bring it down to an individual level. Pharmacists have played an extremely important role in supporting their communities through the COVID-19 pandemic, and it continues as you and I are speaking today. It's understandable that they're going to experience periods of stress and anxiety. How can pharmacists as individuals best manage their own mental health? Well, Daniel, what I think I might do here is look at this specifically through the lens of them in their workplaces. Um, And then maybe later we can talk a little bit about it more in their general time outside work. But because I think it is really important, that concept of I need to address my mental health in the different settings where I am. And that can be quite different what we need to do in each of those settings. So let's bring it back into the workplace. And I think the first one is actually doing that, what I called about, which was to identify and protect against what are the potential psychological harms. And you've just mentioned two that I think are very relevant for frontline community pharmacists, and that is exposure to stress, exposure to anxiety, exposure to all of those issues that are happening in a community. So I think the first thing for for us to do is to be able to say, what are the stresses that I'm going to experience in my workday? Um, they could relate to the community in which I'm working. They could relate to the team with which I am working, or they could relate to things that are happening. Take, for example, here we're sitting 29th of June, and if you're in Sydney, you're in lockdown. Um, and that goes out into regional Australia, and we're seeing it around the country. What are the stresses? So that you're actually doing that, what I would call a diagnostic and then saying, okay, how do I protect myself against that? And interestingly, sometimes just even being aware of the fact that something could stress me out enables me the opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to take regular breaks. Um, If I take a particularly stressful situation at work and I need to talk it over with someone, so how will I best address that risk? And I think that um, it's in the workplace you best identify those. Then I think it's being aware of my own level of mental ill health challenges. Now, one of the things we've learned through COVID is, um, and thankfully we've learned this, our mental health is as integral to us as our physical health. So just like our physical health can get negatively impacted by things, we now all realise anxiety, stress does impact on us and that's not a sign of weakness on our part, it's just part of who we are. So 
what are those signs in myself? Am I somebody who the more anxious and nervous I get, the more withdrawn I am? Do I find myself being quite snappy? Uh, do I feel really, really low and demotivated? What are those signs? Because if I understand those signs and can see them in myself, then I can do things to address them. And a big part of that, again, and I said this in the first bit, but I say it now, is to connect with other people, to get the helps and supports that I need. And then thirdly, what can I do to promote my own mental health and well-being in the workplace? Um, now, some of those are about having re reasonable expectations of what I could or should be doing for that working day. It is about being able to take appropriate breaks so that I'm just not punching through for the whole day. Um, it's about taking time out to connect with people if that's something that energises me. So it's really about what are those things that I can do to protect my mental health in that workplace. So there's some really key things I think that pharmacists could and should be doing. So much great advice. We're talking there about pharmacists themselves in the workplace. Is what you spoke about there important for them to then just push on to their staff and patients? And I use push as for want of a better word, because supporting their staff members as well as the community and their patients is also a key responsibility for our pharmacists. So that could just potentially be another stressor, but they have a responsibility and a care for others as well. As leaders and managers in the workplace, how do they themselves, the pharmacists, best support the mental health and well-being of their colleagues as human beings in the workplace? Such a very good question because let's acknowledge it right up front. And my uncle was a pharmacist. I have a great affinity with pharmacists. I truly believe they are leaders in our community. They are there at the front line in our communities. They are places where people go because they feel safe. They want to talk. And yes, that is a, a an opportunity to be a real uh, role model, if you like. So let's, coming off the back end of what we've just talked about, which is how they effectively look after their own mental health and well-being is really significant as a role model, as a leader. Then how do they bring that across into their staff? And I think um, I think as much as anything, it, that starting point is, look, I'm looking after myself because mental health is important. I want you as a staff member to also look after your health, your mental health, and I want to work with you to say, what are the stresses and challenges you're finding in our workplace so that we can address them together? So it's having a very validating conversation with um, our work colleagues to say, tell me about it from your perspective. What can we do to make this a really good workplace that supports all of us? I think secondly, and really importantly, is that if they um, know that somebody is going to need some mental health support, one of the key things you can do really practically as an employer, as a leader, is just spend some time getting some resources together. So that if one of your team members, one of your colleagues says, oh, gosh, I think I need some information on this, you've got those kind of things to hand. So I think that's really um, important as well. And I think the final thing to do is to just stay engaged and keep validating it. I think, as I, as I said, one of the things coming out of COVID is that we all understand our mental health is an integral part of us. That's been a really positive step in destigmatizing. Um, what was previously there as being, I can't talk about my mental ill health because that's a sign of weakness. As employers, as work colleagues, we can actually turn that on its head. That's one of the best things we can possibly do. As an employer and leader, is it fair to say or important to highlight for the listeners that as pharmacists, they really need to ensure that their mental health is 
looked after and in a good place before they can really focus on helping others? That is so true. And can I say that that actually is very true for pharmacists as leaders, leaders in their workplaces and leaders in their communities. But it's also got a foundational truth in it for all of us. And that is that the more we invest in our mental health and well-being, the more we enable ourselves to have our full potential unlocked. So I, as an employer, as a CEO, am incredibly interested in, in what will ensure the mental health and well-being of our whole team. Because if we spend time doing that, then the returns in terms of what the unique contributions can be is just completely unleashed. And that's when you get true creativity, true productivity, true engagement, and true positive experiences for our teams. And I think that's something we would all really be striving for. We've been focusing on the workplace so far. You mentioned it before that we've all learnt through COVID that lockdowns and restrictions can exacerbate levels of distress in people. How can pharmacists and their staff best support their own mental health and wellbeing when they're away from the workplace, away from the pharmacy? That's a really important thing to look at because, as we've said, yes, you have your working environment, but then you also have your other environment where you uh, where you live and do other things. And so I think there's a few things that are really important to do. Firstly, we coined the phrase right at the beginning of the pandemic of physical distancing with social connection. And that was to differentiate it from social distancing. The kernel of all of that is that importance of social connection. So staying connected with people has proven throughout COVID to be an incredible protective factor. And I think those of us who work in mental health are now seeing that's a real gem for us to take forward across the, the, the normal range of mental health issues. Stay connected with people. And part of staying connected with people is actually being able to have conversation with them and really reach into them. The second thing is that just like we go to a GP when we're not feeling well, normalise reaching out for help if you are feeling a level of anxiety, stress or going down a path where you don't feel mentally well. Uh, that's the second thing we've learned during COVID is it actually makes a really positive difference if you do reach out for help because two things happen. One, you put into words what has been up to then a feeling or perhaps even a behaviour. So you put it into words and then you can connect with somebody who can actually help you find a strategy to manage it. It really does make a big difference. Um, the third thing is a very practical thing, and that is don't forget the good practices of physical health, sleeping well, eating well, getting some exercise. So they're all kind of key things. And I guess the final one that I would say, particularly, as I say, in June 2021, when all things COVID are now happening again, and every time you turn on a device, <laughs> you've got a new news feed coming in and a new thing happening, that cumulative effect can really start to cause levels of anxiety. So sometimes just disconnect, disconnect. And the fifth thing, the final thing is to realise we've been in this for quite a long time, so we're going to feel a bit fatigued. So cut yourself some slack, realise psychologically this has been a long journey and we've still got a way to go, and I need to take care of myself and pace myself. It's great advice. Now, you mentioned a little bit earlier around having some materials available to help people, but let's pick that up and expand on it a little bit. Let's bring it also back into the pharmacy and the environment and the situations that pharmacists and their staff are faced with. If a staff member 
or a patient was to tell their pharmacist that they are struggling with their mental health or maybe a pharmacist was to recognize a change of demeanor in one of their staff or their patients, what would be the best approach for that pharmacist to take in that situation? Perhaps the best thing to do here is to break them down into those two different strands because there's some common things you would do. But I think the reason I break it down into two strands is one of the most important things you can do when engaging with anybody around their mental health is that first contact point, that first conversation is so critical. So if somebody's come to you and said, I'm feeling so stretched or stressed or I just am not coping or gosh, I feel angry the whole time, any of those kind of emotions, the single most important thing rather than the content of what you say is the approach you take. And it's one of compassion, one of empathy, one of, yep, I can totally get this for you. That sense that that person can immediately kind of engage with you. If, on the other hand, it's that you've noticed that somebody is, um, and and short-temperedness is a classic of this. We often think that's just somebody having a bad day. It can actually be a significant indicator of heightened levels of stress and anxiety. So, again, if you're going to make a proactive approach, doing it in an empathetic, engaging, compassionate way with the person is incredibly important. And I think you should do it. I think we all should do that. We should be able to say, are you okay? We're all familiar with that phrase and then be prepared to do something about it. So whatever the entry point, make sure it's compassionate. Then what to do? I think the most important thing to remember is that pharmacists, like any other employer, are not there to provide treatment for mental ill health. Don't try and so-called fix the problem. If it is an issue around stress, certainly do things like help the person take a break, cup of tea, bit of a chat. That's great. But if you're sensing that it's something a lot more significant than that, the best thing you can do is to get alongside the person and help them find some actual professional help. GPs are great for that. So getting them along to a GP uh, where they can actually discuss their mental health issues with the GP and get some referrals, that's one option. Another option is that we now have 24-7 mental health online services. So enabling somebody or helping somebody access one of those um, services is also a great thing to do. And for those who do still sense, have a sense of, I don't want to go and expose myself to someone, the advantage of those online services and the helplines is that they're anonymous. So I think being able to empathetically, compassionately engage, realise I don't have to give the treatment, but support people to de-escalate some of their stress and then reach out for professional help is probably the package of things to do. Recognising the fatigue and frustration and cutting yourself some slack was a great point that you made earlier, particularly as COVID-19 continues, because compliance with COVID-19 requirements such as wearing masks and physical distancing and isolation, it's been a challenge for all of us and frontline pharmacy staff have frequently had to manage people who are becoming increasingly frustrated or, or confused by the rules or resistant to the requirements that are are being asked of them. How can pharmacists effectively manage these what can be pretty stressful situations? Look, this is something I really feel for any people who are at the front line in communities because you do get exposed to everybody else's emotions as well. And you've just hit the nail on the head when you said the general community level of frustration is at times palpable, isn't it? Particularly if we get new health orders out and people are going, what does that mean? And And you can just sense it in people. And, of course, there's also always disappointment. People, whenever there is a restriction, a lockdown, 
somebody somewhere's got really disappointed. So it is a, it is a heightened reality, and and pharmacists are right there in the midst of it. So, firstly, I think the first thing I'd like to say though is that under no circumstances is aggressive, intimidating behaviour ever acceptable, and I think that it is important for all of us who work at the front line, call it that in community, is to be able to really say, is that inappropriate, really intimidating behaviour, in which case I will call in some professionals to remove that person, or actually am I dealing here with someone who's feeling really confused and distressed? If it's the latter, and most of us who work in community kind of have a bit of a feel for whether it's a safety issue or not, if it's the latter, then usually what's behind that is that sense of frustration, anger, loss, sorrow, and again, I come back to the C word, compassion. Compassionate, empathetic engagement of, gosh, this is a hard time, isn't it? You must be going through some really challenges, is something that will immediately de-escalate. I think if people are exhibiting um, those kind of behaviours, somebody just coming in and gently validating them and saying, you must be doing it tough. Now, what can I do to get alongside you and help you? Often is all that it takes to help bring them back and then have a bit of a conversation with them, you know. So before you hone in on what the specific thing is they've come in to ask for or whatever, validate them as a person, engage with them as a person and recognise and allow them to express, yeah, I'm feeling really, really disappointed or I'm feeling really angry or whatever it is. That often will just take the heat out of it. I'm eager to address the vaccine rollout, but before we sort of really focus in on COVID-19, can you expand on the role of the National Mental Health Commission for a moment? Because I'm keen to hear about some of the key projects that the commission is working on in direct response to the pandemic and, and what are some of the key judgments of the commission? For sure. So I can always talk about the National Mental Health Commission. <laughs> I love it. So I've been here now for a couple of years and look, and I continue to see, wow, this is just such a privilege to to be working with the commission. So we are an executive agency of government, which means the relevance of that is that we've got direct access to our federal health minister, uh, Greg Hunt, and also most recently during COVID, to direct access to the prime minister and to his assistant minister for mental health and suicide prevention. So the advantage of being in that government space is that we've got access um, and a two-way flow of information and providing advice. What do we do? We do three key things. We monitor and report on what is happening for mental health and mental health investment in Australia. So we do that as our day job and sort of saying what is actually happening within the mental health agenda in Australia in terms of service delivery and is it meeting need. We then take the results of that and translate that into policy advice for the government. We also get engaged in doing pieces of strategic work for them. So, for instance, one of the, the key pieces of work we have been doing is the first ever national children's mental health and wellbeing strategy. We've realised there's never been a mental health and wellbeing strategy for our young people under the age of 12. So we have opportunities to do that. And then the third thing we do, and I love, this is the bit I think that really drew me into the commission, is that we are there to be a catalyst for change. So we are there to say, what is it we could and should be doing across our mental health um, sector and, and spectrum to actually ensure that anybody who is challenged around their mental health, has a mental health issue, can get affordable access to evidence-based care and support when they need it and where they need it. So that's kind of our 
if you like, our holy grail. Some of the things we've been doing over the last 18 months in particular is we had an opportunity to be quite heavily involved in the various responses that governments, so both state and territory as well as Commonwealth, have made to uh, the pandemic and the recommendations, for instance, around um, expanding uh, the number of telehealth um, sessions we can get under Medicare, those kind of things, just trying to ensure that we've got better services. Um, we had the opportunity to work with the jurisdictions on formulating the first ever um, national mental health and wellbeing pandemic response plan. Um, so that was really a really key piece of work for us to be able to uh, to do. We have also over that time, and this will take us back to pre-March last year. Pre-March last year, you may recall, was when we had those horrific bushfires. And a piece of work that was generated out of that for the Commission was for us to work on a national disasters framework specifically addressing mental health needs in those kind of circumstances. Um, and most recently over that time, I've also had the opportunity um, as the National Suicide Prevention Advisor for our Prime Minister to work on what can, can and should we be doing from a whole of government's approach towards uh, reducing uh, not only suicide deaths, which are a tragedy in Australia, but also trying to reduce the number of people who are experiencing suicidal crises and, and suicidal risks. So a broad ambit of things to do um, and many touch points, particularly over the last 18 months. Queensland pharmacists have recently begun administering the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine and the expectation is clear that other states will soon follow. Some Australians are pretty anxious about receiving their first vaccine dose. What's your advice on how best pharmacists can approach patients who are experiencing some anxiety on that front? Look, I know this firsthand. I have a number of friends who are going through the very real challenges of vaccine hesitancy and anxiety around it. And so I think the first thing to do is, again, I come back to that C word of compassion and validation. I think being able to have a conversation around it and to say, okay, let's unbundle this a little bit. What are you feeling anxious about? Are you feeling anxious because there's so many different um, stories and media representations around this? Let's have a look at the facts. Let's see if we can kind of walk you through it. Are you feeling anxious because you're just one of those people that hates to have a jab? And there are, believe us, there's a number of us who hate to have a jab. Okay, if that's the case, what could I do to help you feel a little bit more relaxed around it? So I think it's about compassionately responding, validating the anxiety and saying, what can we do to bring those levels of anxiety down? Can I present you with some facts? Should we have a conversation around just how risky is it and look how minimal the risk is? Or is it that I just need to make you feel really comfortable because it will be over in a nanosecond and would you like me to have a bag of jelly beans here for you because that might help. <laughs> so it's really about, and I don't need to trivialise it in any way with that, but I think it is, again, about being able to say what is the presenting need of the person and how can I best work with them to de-escalate that anxiety. What about if it's more than just a, a few nerves? What if receiving the vaccine is actually causing real, persistent, intense anxiety and that they approach a pharmacist for advice? How should the pharmacist respond? I'd take this one back to what we talked about a little bit a while ago, which is when somebody's experiencing something more than just a sense of anxiety or stress. And I think pharmacists are well-placed because they deal with people every day to actually intuitively know, I think this person actually on the range of anxiety is going towards a more 
um, a more um, intensive end. I do firmly believe at that point in time that the best thing we can do for people is to say, what mental health supports can we give you? If it is around the vaccine in particular, a little bit different to the last one, I would be focusing in particular on saying, look, I think the best thing you can do is probably have a one-on-one -on -one with your GP. Um, that is now a session where you can actually go, let's make a time for you, let's meet, help me support you making a time with your GP so that you can really address this. And if you need some additional mental health supports to help you through the anxiety, your GP is best placed to know specifically what those should be. Christine, every single answer that you have given has been chock full of great advice and insight. So thank you very much for that. But to round it out, how can pharmacists access information about how they can best establish and maintain a mentally healthy workplace? One of the things that we had an opportunity to do during COVID was actually work with the Mentally Healthy Workplace Alliance on some guides, which have now been released and they can be accessed through the National Mental Health Commission website. And those guides are based on whether you're a big business, whether you're a sole trader or whether you're a small business. So I would assume for most pharmacies, community-based pharmacies, they probably come in that latter category. Um, so I'd suggest that they go and download one of those guides because they cover some really pragmatic tips for themselves and for their workers. Things such as how do I look after myself as well as my business, um, that really key one that we've all felt about financial insecurity and distress. And I know that was particularly last year, but we're not through the woods yet. So we've got some particular information on that. Um, how to actually build and maintain good relationships in the work environment and ways to celebrate what has been achieved. So really practical um, guides are there. So I, I think that could be as good a place as any. Hop onto the, our website um, and either go directly for those guides, put in Mentally Healthy Workplace or put in National Workplace Initiative and a whole lot of stuff will pop up for you. Christine Morgan, Chief Executive Officer at the National Mental Health Commission. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your insights and advice on mental health for pharmacists, their staff and their patients. Thank you so much for the opportunity. What a great discussion. Some really great information and tips there to help community pharmacies and their staff. There are some great resources available to help you establish and maintain a mentally healthy workplace. The National Mental Health Commission Mentally Healthy Workplace Guides have been created by experts to provide practical tips and advice on helping employers and employees look out for the signs that someone may need support and assist them to find help when they need it. The guides can be found at mentalhealthcommission.gov.au. The Pharmacist Support Service, PSS, provides a listening ear over the telephone to pharmacists and pharmacy interns and students. In supporting pharmacists, PSS aims to benefit the public by ensuring that pharmacists maintain their health and wellbeing and so are able to provide an appropriate level of service to the Australian community. You can visit their website at supportforpharmacists.org.au. I've been your host, Daniel Loyston, and you've been listening to Episode 79 of the PBCN Podcast. The PBCN Podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.